Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am Trevin Stolzfus. I'm sitting here with Jordan Ongsted. And you have been friends of the show for quite some time. Yeah, probably eight or nine years at yeah, this point. Pretty much. We're in, well, tell tell the listeners where we're at. Well, it kind of feels like the middle of nowhere, but uh, Eastern Kentucky. Very Eastern. We're not about 11 miles from West Virginia. 22 hours from home. Yeah. And we are hunting elk. This is my fourth year hunting elk here in Kentucky. And I'm going to briefly go through the history of this hunt. And then we'll jump right into what's happened. We've been here a couple of days. Um, actually, it's our fourth day, isn't it? Yep. And uh, this Kentucky elk hunt came about five years ago I think it was five years ago when I was doing a grand opening for a Cabela's in Lexington Kentucky and as we do in a lot of those you meet and you greet and you shake hands and you tell stories and you listen to people's stories about the big buck they shot and and stuff stuff like that's really fun and I was talking to a gentleman and I heard a guy to my left talking to one of the other people that were there, and he was talking about elk. Well, I have read the articles and talked to people that have hunted Kentucky since they opened up, you know, the the opportunity for, for elk hunting here, and they've been killing big bulls. And uh, so I've been applying for Kentucky since it opened. And the odds of a non-resident drawing a tag are we probably have a better chance of drawing a moose tag in Colorado. And you know how screwed up that system is. Right. But he's talking about elk. And, and so I eased my way over there. And next thing I know, he's telling me that he helps manage uh, the wildlife portion on and the pretty much the, um, you know, bringing back natural habitat, stuff like that the reclamation yeah to old mines you know reclaiming these grounds and he's been doing it for years and years and years and they got about i i want to say sixty thousand acres total and with that if they put it in this program with kentucky uh department of fish and wildlife they actually got some tags some some elk tags back so what they do is they open it up for the public to hunt this private ground where the elk are of course it's hard enough to get you it's not like you're opening it up for everybody but it's opening it up for people that draw the tag sure and and he got these bull tags well he was telling me how him and his dad the year before had gotten the tags like two three days before the season or something and they came out and shot some bulls had no idea what they were doing um i think it's one of those things where you just drive around kind of deal and and they actually didn't do that they i think they shot them out of blinds or something like that but they shot him with a rifle, and and his dad got a really nice one, well, 3.30, and I think Todd just shot a bull. Uh, Todd, and and he was telling me that this, the following year, was going to be his son's first hunt, and it was going to be an elk hunt. And he asked me what I did, and anyway, over time, we got to talking, and he was talking about how special it would be to, re to video his son's first hunt. And I said, well, if you got a tag, I'll come out, I'll hunt guide your son hunt with your son and we'll we'll make a show out of it and he thought oh or he said that's a great idea and of course i'm thinking is this guy for real is he ever going to contact me you know that it was a pipe dream well 
the following April, I thought, I'll send him an email. Come to find out, he kind of thought I was pulling his leg, too. He's like, nobody's going to come out here to Kentucky and hunt elk, and they live in Colorado, you know, and film my son and this and that. So we met up, and he's like, you're serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious if you're serious. And he said, yeah, I'm serious. Well, two weeks later, a tag shows up in my mailbox for Kentucky. So that's how all of this started. In the first year, Landon, I think he was nine. He was nine or ten. Um, and... We, he hunted with a crossbow during an archery season, and I hunted. Matter of fact, I was hunting with my stick bow that year, and I found a big bull, and I hunted him off and on. Um, it, it had him at 20 yards multiple times. He couldn't get to me, and I couldn't get to him. And that first year, I learned a lot about how to hunt this country. And, Jordan, you've seen. When I said it was thick, I wasn't kidding. No, you weren't kidding. And you're from Colorado, you understand oak brush, you understand that. And I tell people this a lot, how thick it is. But until you've been out here and tried to hunt elk in this, it's it's tough. You have to have predetermined pathways. You can't just, like in Colorado, if an elk wants to get through oak brush, he'll just come through the oak brush. Right. Here, they won't. They won't do that. They It's too thick. There's briars on top of the autumn olives, on top of whatever else right and if an elk isn't getting through we ain't no no so that was the first year he kills a uh, 364 inch bull his first bull it was just a beautiful bull just a big bull and i was able to kill another bull at the time actually we killed our bulls i didn't even have a rifle i bow hunted and it goes bow hunting goes for about two weeks and then it goes into rifle and so we hunted and hunted and hunted, and, and I, I never even got a shot at a big bull, but I did find one. And that, of course, then that's the one you want, right? Well, I brought Landon back into that little pocket, and sure enough, he shoots that bull. And right after he shot the bull, we look up, and there's another bull up on, kind of up on the ridge. And I asked Pop, who is the granddad, can I borrow your rifle? Because he had he was carrying a, a spare rifle. Um, actually, it was the one I was going to hunt with because I again I had to borrow one. So I shot my bull right there within 200 yards of each other. Really? Yeah. So that was cool. First year, second year, Todd says, "Hey, Ashton, my youngest son, who was eight or nine at the time, I think he." My, my dates, I might have to take my shoes off and count backwards, but he was young. He was, he was even younger than Landon at the time. So Landon was probably 10. He was probably 9 that next year. And Ashton hunted with us kind of the same way. He didn't get to hunt as much during bow season. And uh, finally we got, again, we went, got into rifle. And, and uh, it's just so hot here. The bulls really don't start getting cranked up till October, as you see right now. Right. You know, we are September 26th, and we're just starting to hear bugles. Um, and he killed a nice bull. He killed a 330, 335, something like that. Just a great, great bull. And I ended up killing a bull the next day. Um, and he was probably 300, right around 300, just 
we had to go. We were, it was a last day type of thing and yeah. found a bull and I shot him. Then third year. Now the third year, I thought I was done. But the third year happened, came about that we, uh, I started talking to Kelly Tackett about possibly hunting. Now Kelly is not a hunter, <laughs> but Kelly, I said, do you think you can do this? And she said, oh, I know I can do it. She's a, you know, spunky, 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 a lot of fun. And so Todd and I said, all right, if she'll do it, let's do it. That'd be fun. And she wanted to. So we, we got her some sick gear and she started practicing and stuff like that because she was going to hunt with a crossbow again in, in bow hunting season, going into rifle season. And, uh, um, and we had some encounters. Um, but then as we went into rifle, she got, we got her on a big bull and she just made a great shot. And, and we did have to track a little bit. It, it actually went a lot further than, than we thought, but we got on that. And then in last, and then that, that year too, during the bow hunting season, I missed a big bull. I missed a bull that is anybody would be proud to have and, and you know a typical kentucky bull and i got an opportunity and i ranged him and i range finder was hitting some grass that i didn't know was there he was about eight yards further and i shot just underneath him so i was pretty bummed but as we got into rifle to to have kelly put down that big bull it was it was amazing and then i came back in again kind of that last day thing trying to kill a bull and uh, Tanner and Garrett was were with me that trip, filming, and we found a bull. We found a bull on this ridge that, um, the same ridge that Kelly had shot hers, except he was off the edge. And we started calling to him, and and he headed out. And we thought the day was done because it was starting to get dark. And then something changed, and here he came. And we were able to actually get back, and I was able to shoot that bull, and it turned out to be the exact same bull I missed with my bow, which is pretty special. So here we are the fourth year, and that's kind of where we'll pick up. Um, Jordan, tell them about our drive over. Well, we wanted to get here as soon as possible, but uh, so we left. We probably left Fort Collins at, what, 9 p.m.? Yeah, we our our brilliant idea was I needed to stop in Kansas at the farm there, and I needed to pull trail cameras and do a couple of things. Put out some corn. Yeah, I needed to to just kind of get things ready because we'll be hunting that November, and it's so far. If I'm coming this way, I try and kind of take care of things so I don't have to make two separate eleven-hour trips. And uh, we got. I ended up driving all night because my, my plan was to let you sleep and then I would sleep when we left heading, you know, through M Missouri and all the states between here and Kentucky. <laughs> well, it didn't work out quite that way. Um, I couldn't sleep, but you kind of took, took over duties um, uh, when we left Kansas and uh, driving duties is what I mean. Um, and so we got it here. It was what eleven thirty Eastern time. Yeah, it was almost midnight when we got to Kentucky, and that was Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday night. So our first day hunting was Sunday. We would have got here sooner, but we had to stop at Shields. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, we had uh, a bag of a Yeti Panga 75 full of every subalpine piece of Sitka gear I own disappear. Now, well, I was frantic. So I, I literally didn't have another stitch of camo. So we stopped at Shields and I bought a shirt. Well, I bought basically everything they had in my size, which they didn't have much. Matter of fact, the pants are about a size too big. They're 32s. I normally wear 30 or 31s. But um, yeah, that that took us an, probably 35, 40 minutes. Well, it's a good thing we realized it right away too. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have maybe even been by a place where you could at least get any right. chemical. Right. Or it wouldn't it wouldn't have been open because right. we would have been yeah. That worked out perfect. At least where we could get something. Right. So, so we get in here and um, Todd met us and uh, tell explain the setting. This I try and explain this, but you having never laid eyes on this country. Explain to the listeners what what it's like, where we're staying, just just the visual of what hunting elk in Kentucky is like. Well, it was kind of weird just coming in to begin with because I had been driving for 14 hours straight from Kansas, and we're going through these windy roads that are really nice, but no one on there. It feels like you're driving kind of out into the middle of nowhere just because there's no traffic. And I mean, we take these windy roads back into what I know is an old mine, but I mean, that night I had no idea what was around us, but I mean, when the sun came up the next morning, I mean, it looks like, like what, what you would think of Western slope. Um, it kind of reminds me a lot of 61 Oak brush, just in terms of like the, the way it rolls and the, and a lot of it is like 61, you got these big draws they call haulers here. And in 61, a lot of times you're hunting from the top down, right? It's the same way here. Um, where everything when you're driving on the main roads is on the tops of the ridges and then you're you're hunting down so yeah but yet you you know in in 61 if you say i want to go from here to there you might see some oak brush and you can see an opening and you could just weave your way through and yeah there'll be some weeds and some grass and some shrubs right but here it looks like just grass and weeds and shrubs but what's bad is the briars. The briars right. are very sharp, very tangly, tangly, and very painful. Oh, they hurt, and they and they don't go away. Like they almost kind of wrap you up mm-hmm. when you get into them. And it's weird. I mean, we were up on that ridge where the maple trees were dropping all the leaves, mm-hmm. and I thought there was an easy path, and it looked like there wasn't any undergrowth. And then you get into it, and all of a sudden. There's briars grabbing you from everywhere. They're almost kind of hard to see. Right. A They're lot of times. Thin, thin, yeah. thin stemmed. And yet, I, I'm pretty sure they jump out at you. I'm pretty they sure move they move a little bit. <laughs> so, so, the thing I learned early on hunting Kentucky was using the road structure to your advantage. Right. You, I mean, you have to. Yeah. And, and even then, I get hung up in briars. In the middle of the road, they'll grab well, you. Well, and some of the roads that I've hunted in years past are overgrown. They have completely compared to the first year like that one ridge we went down that has the Sarisa that's almost six foot tall right. we walked down there that's where kelly and i both shot our bulls last year and it was not like that it was it was not anywhere that tall so uh, you know part of it is this is an old mine and but 
it's not a working mind. They're doing a lot of reclamation on right. this mind. So it's in that ending phases. Uh, for the listeners, explain where we're staying. Explain our lodge. Quote, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now, our lodge. Well, I mean, it's, it, I mean, at one point, I bet it was a really nice office building. Um, but now it's just a little, it hasn't been used in a while. We'll put it that, we'll put it that way. Yeah, and half of it, there's select rooms that the air conditioner works really good in. Ours isn't one of them. No, but we do have a big fan, which makes it... Sounds like a helicopter. It does sound like a jet <laughs> engine going off, but it helps you sleep right. and it keeps you cool. Um, you could so, be singing in your sleep and I wouldn't hear you yeah, for that thing. It's it's funny because, you know, when you think of elk hunt and you think of backcountry and and we took tent, we brought out tents last year, but it was, and it was totally fine because... It rained so much, it was pretty cool. Right. Um, but I guarantee you, even in the middle of the day, if it wasn't raining, and you went out and got in those tents, it was like a sauna. Right. So we would we spent most of our time inside, and we've got a little kitchen area, so I don't have to bring a camp stove right. and propane and all that stuff. And it's got a, you know, it's the amenities here are nice. I really like the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we use a... What do they call it? That's basically called a mop. A mop sink. Or a like mop sink, yeah. One of those sinks that are like in the corner of the wall with like a raised thing off the floor it's, so you yeah, don't splash water. Right. It's basically for filling up a mop bucket. Yeah, that's all and, it's for. Uh, yeah. And, but it has uh, a, uh, a faucet at about knee height yep. with a black little, you know, eight foot long black hose and but we do have hot water. It smells like rotten eggs, but we have yeah, hot water. Stinky. We can't drink it, no. but we can shower, bathe in it, and we have toilets, of course. And so it's 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 nice to have because we can come back here, get cleaned up, and we're sweating so much now because again, it's been ninety degrees, and uh, but it's uh, it's it's almost like a scene from The Walking Dead. You expect to come in here. This is a, one of those buildings they find and they live in for a little while until the zombies get in. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, it's nice though, because I mean, it's a clean surface. I mean, you have an entire room, you can spread out your gear. We can plug in and we got electricity. We get a little bit of Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I can sometimes make phone calls. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice in that respect, just because you can spread out and you're not, I mean, you don't got dirt and grass and you're not trying to, there's no problems keeping things charged from my perspective. So right. it's, right. it's because I mean, it's helpful for that. This is, this is your first, is this your first like a primary full length trip all, all everything's on your shoulders as far as camera goes yeah i don't think garrett told me that when i signed up that i was the only can the only cameraman but you but you've run camera for us before but you've always been secondary or you've been just in, you know along where there's multiple camera guys well i mean the only really long trip i've done hunting i've done more of like the food plot stuff uh Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That kind of stuff for you guys. You know, mm-hmm. the early season B-roll type stuff. Um, I did go to New Mexico with you for that. Ibex oh, that's right. For... But how many camera guys do we have? We had like four camera guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had, yeah, Garrett was there. Tanner was there. Charlie Barnum was there, mm-hmm. I think. My dad. Your dad was there. Um, and then we had... Uh, Derek Harris. Derek, Derek Harris was there as well. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a, ca- a ca- cameraman, but when we only have so many camera bodies, it was rarely in my hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, I think that um, this is a unique experience, and this is not the experience you can expect every time you come to Kentucky, of course. But for us, being able where we're hunting out of, this works really well. 
um, Todd has been here, even though Todd doesn't have a tag. Uh, he was supposed to have a tag this year, and some things got changed around with the amount of ground they had, and he ended up losing one bull tag. Well, he'd given all the bull tags or sold all the bull tags, so he just gave his back. And I, I told him, I said, I'll, I'll, you can have, you know, you can take mine back. I've had three in a row, and let's have you hunt. And he said, nope. So he got a deer tag, so he's hunting deer, but we are um, running a little lighter crew. Normally, his dad stays here. Todd's dad, Mike, stays here. They Todd stays here, and he's been kind of coming back and forth, so he's right. helping us. Let's talk about the actual hunting and what we've seen in the past three, and then we'll we'll you know conclude with the fourth uh, or or last night and, and what we what we've seen um it's been tough wouldn't you agree yeah i mean it's if i were in colorado not trying to film it i mean i'd still have options to hunt you know i can still hunt i can sit on water and we kind of checked out the water option and i wasn't impressed with the frequency no because there's a lot of it there's multiple multiple ponds and um there might be even be some that we can't see. Oh, I'm sure there's some springs right. and some different stuff. That, that's one thing Todd said. It's hard because there's a lot of water. Right. Um, I've never in Kentucky ever found a wallow. Like something that you go, wow, they're hammering. You know, you'll find yeah. a wallow that you can see the hair imprints in the mud. You know, right. And they're, every day there's elk in there. I've never seen that here. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that a lot of the times the dew because of the high humidity, the dew in the morning is so much more. Now, we haven't seen it on this trip, but on trips in the past, it's so humid in the mornings, it's 9 o'clock till you can see because of the fog. Right, and we only had fog yesterday morning. Was And it was only in the bottoms of the hollers or the draws, yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, there's times, literally, there's so much fog, you can't see anything till 9 or 10. Right. It burns off. So we have had that. We've been able to every morning get up and right away hunt versus just having to kind of sit tight the first day we got out we did i, I kind of think the first day was almost a reconnaissance kind of a scouting we did a lot of driving that we day. covered a lot of country looked at a lot of sign and there is a lot of elk sign wouldn't you agree right i mean you look at some of these yeah. road beds and it's just ate up with elk but we didn't see any elk we didn't uh, hear any elk and the first was, day we did the very first place we oh, went that's right that's right that little bull that bugle yeah. lettuce that was almost on top of us we had to one get and, one one and done yeah we call him one and done yeah but but yeah we saw his two cows that's right and and i bet he was 15 yards from us when he came around that corner yeah i saw him off off to my left you were out in front of him yeah he was probably just cresting that uh Every, well, every single flat piece has that that berm before the trees start. Um, it's a it's a t- it's tailings pushed in where 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 they make the top of the hill flat. There's a tailings pile that they kind of almost push and line the top. So every, before the trees start, there's always this anywhere from three to eight foot tall berm of tailings, basically. Um, and he was, I think, peeking over that, and we couldn't quite see him or something like that. And he bugled at us once and then hightailed it. Um, he sounded pretty young. He sounded like he was he excited act, to be bugling. He acted young, too. Yeah. So 
we knew right away that probably wasn't a bull we were going to go after anyway, but we were hoping that we'd get some more some more uh, answers, some more bugles. I was really excited at that point. I mean, yeah. it did not take us long to get on to him. Yeah. And then we uh, went quite, covered quite a bit of country, did some more prospecting is kind of what I'm calling it, and uh, nothing. So after on day two, we had a couple other areas we wanted to look at. We went back over to that ridge where that little bull bugled, and he bugled again. But again, it was kind of a short-lived one and done. You got to see his feet that time, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and then we ended up uh, doing the same thing, covering country, and and uh, and really just prospecting, calling. And you can't really glass here. There's a couple of, every once in a while, you'll find some openings, but it's not just true ankle-high grass. It's chest-high cerisa right. weed. And, but the elk will get in there, and they'll feed in those openings. It's just we haven't seen any. Yeah, we, we've glassed one bull right. mm-hmm. in an, op- an opening, and, an open, and, it was an, and, it was, and it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Just by, by happen chance, you happened to pick the binoculars up, and he was standing there. But he was walking through. Right. And he was, yeah, he was just a little four by four. Yeah. So um, as we as we progressed through the days, the third day, um, we were supposed to, and it got a little cooler. Was it the second or the third day that we got that cool snap? Third day. And it, you know, it was a high in the 70s, which was really nice. Right. And we expected, boy, they were going to turn on. Nothing. No, but at least we started to see elk that day but we saw yeah and it was funny it was a progression because we saw right and we were possibly up. the smallest male elk that we would know it's a male it had it was a two by zero and so i think it would score negative in, in can you even go negative yeah because it had two little it was weird like two little hooks off its off its left where the antler should be and nothing on the right and um and he just happened to help out in the road in front of us while we were working around the, just randomly yeah and then we were looking at some other country and we came around a corner and a bull uh, a spike stepped out but this was a true martian a true Spike. I mean, definitely what you would think of when you think of a spike. Right. Yeah. And uh, we got to mess with him a little bit, which uh-huh. was good. But yeah, he. I mean, he didn't seem to care about your calls either. That's the nice thing about these encounters is you kind of can test out, you know, their interaction with your calls a little bit. Yeah. But they didn't. He didn't seem to care. No, and they didn't seem to care that we were there. I mean, I don't think these elk were bothered. They were very indifferent. Yeah. About us yeah. being there. Yeah. So. Um, then we ended up going into another area where we had been told that this this little bull was hanging out and sure enough i walked up and i was glassing and i think i was glassing kind of far and you stepped up beside me and said hey there's a bull right there a little little four by four well to give you credit i think what happened was he was bedded in those reeds down there and then when you started bugling, I think he stepped out. So oh. you didn't have your binos up and you were looking, yeah. looking out. He should have been looking yeah. 100 yards straight down below us. Yeah. But again, little little two-year-old bull. and uh, But we did make the comment, hey, they're getting bigger. 
Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, they're getting bigger. Do you hear that buzzing? I just heard it twice. Do you have your phone on you? No, I do not. I wonder if it's coming from... I'm going to put these down here and see if it's coming from that phone. Okay. Sorry. Edit that out, Troy. <laughs> then we went off a point that we had been... Across from office. No. No, this was when we were at the, off that bugling point. Oh, remember? yeah, And yeah, I yeah. got that chuckle. Yeah, yeah. Todd, on the other hand, was at another point That's across right. from the office and he heard a bugle we heard a chuckle and we're like oh okay we've got noise now we know what to do we got options so the next morning we went back to the point that we heard the chuckle and it was silent but then we went back to where todd had said he'd heard that bull and we got an answer and that was yesterday and it was a ways off and but... it was a ways off so we pulled out our onyx and we really kind of triangulated if the best we could right where the road structure was and how we could get close to them right i mean we're guessing where an animal is that's echoing off hills who's probably almost a mile away from us right three quarters of a mile away but we guessed pretty right we're, we're pretty close and we got around the corner and i don't even think we made a call i think he bugled first and then we kind of start working around on this two-track road and we look up and we can hear some cows and then he bugles and he's not far off and this is uh, paint a picture for you it's you kind of come around this uh, this hill if you will and it's kind of a little bowl back there kind of meadowy with, Med some, with, with some bigger bushes autumn olives right and then up on one side is dark timber i mean pine dark timber black yeah and then on the other side you've got just kind of those autumn olives kind of brush going on up to right. the hill very thicknesses we look up on the left and i can see two cows feeding 70 yards away and the bulls bugling so we tucked in where the road bent because i figured he'd take the road right to us right and we tucked in, and it gave me about a 25-yard shot to where he would come around the bend, and it would be more broadside. He'd have to come around, and then I could shoot him before he turned facing on. Well, as the best laid plans of mice and men, he started coming. We could hear him. He was coming. He was... And then he probably got to... 15 yards from that corner and turned and started walking away well when we walked up there you could see her he was spinning circles but nowhere where we could see him right so then they headed up into the timber and not knowing the country we went ahead and walked the road all the way around that big black timber knob and we're looking at it on the on the on my phone you know on onyx is how it how the the topography lays how the vegetation is you know from satellite and there's some clear cuts and this and that well he bugles and now he's he's back on the same side he'd just gone down the ridge so we came around and we ended up getting underneath him we were within 50 yards closer at some points i think yeah and i'm cow calling he's bugling i'm cow calling he's bugling i'm cow calling well, and, and, and we're in an old road that's almost like cut back like i mean it's it's thick and we're 
almost claustrophobic in the autumn olives at that point. We're out of the, you know, meadow with like the sparse right, right. autumn olives. We're in like the thick about as thick as it can get. It's like maybe see 20 yards. And we know that the thermals are about to change. And if the thermals change, he's above us. We know those thermals are going to start rising. But right now we're still in the shady portion. Right. So we have that to our advantage. And so we're kind of pushing it because we don't want to get underneath him and then have our thermals go up and blow them all out. And he's got some cows with him at this time. We can right. hear them. We can still hear them. So we... I finally just said, I got to give it to him, give him the business. Because so, he wasn't moving at all. And so I pulled out the bugle and I just started getting aggressive with him and even just grabbing some autumn olive trees and just raking them and just, you know, just trying to do my best. And just like on the road earlier, we needed to be about 25 yards down a little further. And he does come down to the road, but then he crosses down below us. Right, he and he needed the typical elk circle. Yeah, but you know. he, and he kind of headed off. Well, now it's getting later. We don't want to keep pushing. We haven't seen this bull. We don't know. He sounds great. I mean, he sounds yeah. mature, but uh, you know what does that mean? And so we ended up backing out yesterday, and we came back and ate some lunch, stuff like that, and. And got take, took care of some business, and then we decided to get back out there. We had a plan of where we were going to sit because we figured he'd go and then find a spot in bed, but he wasn't going to go far. Because he had dropped down back into the – there was another uh, pine, dark timber just below us that he had walked down into. Right. We thought he would have just bedded there. Right. So we walk – and again, when, we're, when I say we're walking, we're, we're uh, parking the, the side-by-side and – we're walking anywhere from a half a mile to, I think one morning we put on four, four and a half miles or so. Now, mind you, this is four and a half miles on a two track. It's not. Yeah, we did four and a half miles yeah. this morning too. Oh, we did. Okay. So we're, we're covering some country, but it's more covering country to get to a place to, to not glass like we would in Colorado, but get to a place to just bugle, to call, to, to prospect. So we know where we're going to set up, and the plan was to get in there early, 4.30, 5 o'clock, you know, still pretty warm, and just sit there and let him bugle. Well, we got in there thinking we were 200, 300, 400 yards from where he was bedded, right. and he bugled, and he was right below us. Yeah, and the first bugle I heard was when we were putting our backpacks down, but I thought it was off in the distance. But yeah, right when we got there, he was still going every 5, 7, 10 minutes. And then he shut up for about an hour. Yeah, at around 6. He shut up, and we thought, oh, okay. That's when he climbed the tree. I did. Yeah, I was trying to see. <laughs> and that's when you saw that little four-point. Right. So, yeah. Um, so then we came around, and um, we thought, okay, let's see if we can pull him out of here. And we an- ended up taking the Montana decoy, that, that rump decoy, and we rigged it up with a big rubber band so we could hang it in a tree. Because the problem is, this is an old mine. There's rock bed everywhere you can't just go and stick a stake in the ground it's too darn hard well it's all processed yeah tailings so it's just compact everywhere even where the vegetation is coming out it's too hard to push anything into really so we thought okay well what if we hang this in there's plenty of bushes so we did that so we hung it behind us got set up started calling and he hammered and we what we were we, we did that for what 15 20 minutes Right. And then realized he's not moving. 
I mean, it, it kind of sounded at one point he might have circled to the road, but I think it was just echoes playing yeah. with us. You know how when they turn their heads when they're down in the bottoms and stuff like that, it just, you I mean, you can't really tell where it's coming to at that distance. So we're in a situation where we say, okay, what do we do here? We either pull out, you know, we got to kind of sneak by him to get back to the main road where we're parked. And... We start looking at the map again, and we find this road that goes back up and around. I said, you know, let's see if we can get by him without getting winded. And this is right when the thermals are about to change. They were really swirling on And us they were bit. really swirling, yeah. And so we got by him, and we hit that road. And as we got up in that road, there's a meadow, another little meadow. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, the wind was perfect. It's right in our face. And so we worked over to the edge, and we're kind of like, well, is there a way to get down to him? Because we're still thinking he's down the ridge, and then he bugles. And he's within 50 yards of us. Right. He's right there on the other side of them. Yeah. So we set up real quick, and we started calling. And he was answering. And we were just, you and me, you with the tripod, using it like a monopod, me with my bow tucked up in the autumn olives and every you know, I'm like man he sounds he'd sound closer of course he's probably just facing us and then he'd sound further away and we did that for about four or five minutes and then finally he stepped out right I think he was running back and forth trying to so that first shooting lane that you thought that I didn't even realize you thought was a shooting lane and that's when I switched to like you know a monopod set set up because I'm like there's too many things going on right now I can't have a tripod out I need to be a little bit more flexible but it almost to me it almost sounded like he was kind of coming in backing out coming in like the vegetation was too thick and then I think he went around and then that's when he did that one bugle where you and I both I mean I pan camera you're like he's coming and then we're there um, ready for him to come out into the meadow. And he, he didn't disappoint. He stepped out, though, a lot further than I thought. I had arranged a bunch of spots, and I had not ranged that far. So he well, and, stepped and, out at about 40 yards. I thought he was going to step out. at. I had one ranged at like 28, one ranged at 25, and I think at 21 or something like that. So that's where I'm at. And yeah. he stepped out like elk don't step out. He was, he was full body in the meadow in three strides right he wasn't coy about it at all he didn't peek around the corner he just all of a sudden was there in plain sight which doesn't give you any time to to, to draw back or right yeah if i would have drawn back at that juncture i would have had to hold that for over a minute because he right. did work his way out in the meadow and it came to within 18 yards of us but there's no way i'm going to get drawn on him and he was a three-year-old bull right okay he was a younger bull and you know, you kick yourself, maybe, maybe you, you know, if I had only been full draw or whatever. Well, when he wheels to go, I cow call a couple times. And he stops right before where he came out there, you know. So, again, I'm thinking, what's going on? And I do. I come to full draw during that commotion, and I get him stopped. And But he has gone over a little rise, and... So the Cerisa is probably, I would have to shoot the top of the Cerisa. Right. You know, I would have to aim for that. And unfortunately, I didn't know how far he was either. So I'm, you know, you're trying to do math in your head at that, in that specific time. 
And I never, I'm not a very good mathematician when I have adrenaline flowing. Right, and you're trying to range through your peep. Yeah, and um, anyway, I ended up, uh, when I shot, I shot very low. And low enough to where when we watch back the footage, I cut the top of a weed. You can see this weed that's got these little buds on it, and it just, and we actually went and found that weed that I cut just to make sure, you know, make sure that there's no way I hit him. And it, and I was at the right height at about halfway, halfway. Right. And, um, so that arrow dumped, dumped Well, down. and then you got to think of how many weeds he hit after that. Yeah. Cause as soon as you hit that, you were in, you were in the thick of yeah. it. So he had no idea what happened. He went on back and I scratched my head, said, you know, is that a smart thing to do? Luckily, you know, no, n- nothing was harmed during the making of this exciting event. Right. Um, but, you know, I also, uh, you know, you always question, you know, is that you come to Kentucky to hunt monsters. Right. And I haven't, I, we've, we're going, pushing five days, and we haven't seen anything. That's the best bull we've seen progressively getting better right so all we can hope for now is is more i think uh, it's going to be interesting to see this evening when we go out and then tomorrow tomorrow you got to get on a plane yeah so tomorrow morning is our our, last our last hurrah which what that means is you got to be packed and ready to rock so when we get back we jump in the truck and head we got to head to lexington which is about a two-hour drive Two and a half hour drive. Sure. And I got to take you and then turn around and try and come back so I can hunt the evening. Right. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where this is exciting to be in such unique topography and vegetation. Elk or elk? These elk are, matter of fact, they act like elk, but I would say they're not as skittish. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? I don't think they're like a Colorado elk where you bump a herd in there two ridges over these elk will go a couple hundred yards right I mean we could hear the the one we saw last night I mean within 10 or 15 minutes I heard him bugle again he was maybe 400 yards away at that point I mean it's hard to tell because he would have dropped off I think where we were at there but yeah we heard him bugle still that night and then this morning when we were out we heard him Right, and we didn't we get there till what nine thirty. Yeah. So we were because we were trying to find a bigger bull this morning, right? Without success. What I'm trying to do, I think, and you know, I, 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 to go in there and shoot that bull with a bow, I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing. He's a three-year-old bull, but for what we've seen right now, there's not a lot of options. Okay, and he's the only one that wants to talk. He's the only one that's vocal. So. It's not like we're going to go glass up another bull. It, that's very rare. Um, we have to be able to be able to interact with them vocally. Right. And that's just not happening right now. Um, I, I'm going to stick around. You have to fly out. I'm going to stick around um, through probably the first. Um, and then I got to go. Well, ideally, I'd like to kill him with a bow. Right. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that with this guy being so vocal, 
what I'm hoping happens is his vocalization will bring in another bull. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean, that's the perfect storm, is now you get a more mature bull, and he's trying to hold, the younger bull's trying to hold on to his cows, you know, and I think this bull is just at that point where he is, um, I mean, he's pretty big for his britches. Right. Um, I, I think we might be able to get that vocalization of the bulls back and forth and allow us just to slip in and maybe have an opportunity right. to do something. So we'll, we'll see. Tonight's a, a new night, and, and uh, it's always fun. I, I, to me, it's interesting to see the changes that we make in our strategy with a hunt like this versus the changes we would do in say Wyoming or or, or Montana or, or even Colorado, New right. Mexico, you know, it's just different. Um, it's still hunting. It's and then you throw a camera in there, and now you you know you got all these other factors. It's not easy, but it sure is fun. It's a lot of fun, especially when they're bugling at you out in an open meadow. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. How he just came out and he screamed and oh, chuckled. Yeah, yeah, he was 18 yards from us, bugling his head off, screaming chuckled at us i mean that's it's great footage great footage what an experience that was awesome to have well and, and i always think you know every hunt's different i mean the better tags you draw you, you have a better opportunity to see bigger bulls and you always want to shoot the best bull you can based on your tag and if we're not hearing them i don't think a different hunter could come into the same hunt and do better no, and 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 so one I mean, of the one of the things one of the advantages we have this year versus other years, other years we came in here and we saw big bulls, we knew they were here. Right, they were in this area and they were going to remain in that area and we could go hunt them. This year we haven't seen that, but we do have. There's an outfitter that's in here that will be guiding deer later in the season, and right. he's got a bunch of trail cameras and really nice guy, Todd Duff. And um, Todd's uh, got trail cameras, and we've been able to check some of those trail cameras, and we've seen some bulls, but we haven't seen any bomber bulls. They've yeah, there's, all... there's a three, three ten, six by seven yeah. was the biggest one with the split fourth. Mm -hmm. But it's not like years past where you had three or four bulls that were pushing three fifty. Right, and know? who knows why that is? I'm sure they're here, yeah, but they're definitely not where we're looking, and they're definitely not talking, talking, yeah. So, I mean, we're very limited on, especially during archery season. And yeah. I, I mean, you want to shoot one with a bow, but, um, but I mean, we have till tomorrow to do that. So yeah. it'll well, come down to finding the best bull for our hunt. So. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the key. Right. And, 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 you know, I'm here for the adventure and it has been an adventure. We've had adversity in the, in the heat in the weather losing clothes yeah yeah <laughs> getting over here without a stitch of camel and then having to do figure that out i mean it is what it is but hunting is is to me again is it's not about the size of antler it's about the experience right but if i'm in an area where there's good deer or good you know i don't expect to go to a place like south carolina and kill a buck like i hold out for in kansas right okay so um but this is Kentucky is like Kansas in the fact that Kentucky has big bulls right. I'm just running out of time so right. you know uh, nobody's gonna I don't I can't see that anybody would fault me for uh it had I been at full draw and shot that bull last night I I don't I don't care if anybody would have faulted me for it anyway I, I definitely went to but 
we might see if we can get back in there and see if there's another bull in there. If not, maybe we'll right. see if old Bully, but we, we nicknamed him Bully Bully, if old Bully Bully wants to play. I went to fault to you. I, I knew I was on focus that time. Who knows mm-hmm. what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Well, this has get, been our first update. We will keep you posted. Um, as always, uh, we re- invite you, man, subscribe to the podcast whatever platform pod uh, podbean or stitcher or itunes or whatever you're using to download it um give us a thumbs up and and me heck leave a leave a good comment whatever and uh go out find your wild and embrace it god bless and and we'll see you down the road